Little honeybees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets, and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at them loading down those vines. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today, we are setting the table with candy, and I've assembled quite a cast of characters for this show today. We'll first hear from Jesse and Joe Baker, and these two business leaders are creators and owners of Old Smoky Moonshine Distillery in Gatlinburg, Yeehaw Brewing, and Jesse has written a really good cookbook called Shining, Old Smoky Moonshine Family Cookbook. Today, Jesse shares with us a little story about her grandparents and how they created the Old Smoky Candy Kitchen on the Main Street in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, a treasure in Gatlinburg which has been there since the 1950s. Mary D.D. Constantine, the happily retired former food writer from the Knoxville News Sentinel, shares a really neat segment about a woman she interviewed named Shirley McMurtry of Union County, Tennessee, and her process for dry canning black walnuts, along with her recipe for black walnut candy. And if you've seen all that old-fashioned stick candy at Mass General Store and in grocery stores, and they have that old-fashioned look and feel about them, well, much of that candy is made in Bristol, Virginia, right there on the line between Virginia and Tennessee. And Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio Series, he features Helms Candy of Bristol, Virginia, and this company manufactures old-fashioned peppermint sticks and mints and peanut butter stick candy and whorehound candy, and they've been making candy since 1909. And we'll hear a couple of cute little stories from Tammy Smith of Savannah, Georgia, and this woman can tell quite a story. I recorded these a couple of years ago. Involving Christmas time, her granddaddy and daddy, who are originally from Wayne County, Kentucky, and these stories involve eating a raccoon for supper and a hog's head. Thank you so much for your good company. I really appreciate you tuning in. 
We'll first hear from Jesse and Joe Baker and these two young business leaders, as mentioned, are creators and owners of Old Smoky Moonshine Distillery in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. They also started and own Yeehaw Brewing Company, and Jesse is the author of a really good cookbook called Shining Old Smoky Moonshine Family Cookbook, and also their latest venture is their Nashville distillery, and event space, and they call that 6th and Peabody. Today, Jessie shares with us a little story about her grandparents and how they settled in Sevierville and how they created the Old Smoky Candy Kitchen on the Main Street in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And for as long as a lot of us can remember, when in Gatlinburg, you can just stand there transfixed watching that big machine roll that taffy through that big picture window. And I bet a lot of us who visited the Old Smoky Candy Kitchen have seen that very sight. And in this hard time we're all going through, it seems fitting to look back at good memories and bring them to the surface and remember them to make us all feel better, especially at this time of year. Well, Joe and Jesse, y'all start dating when you're 14 and you're high school sweethearts. I love that. And did you both grow up in Gatlinburg? We did. And so I grew up, I would say, more in Gatlinburg. Um, and Joe grew up more in Pigeon Forge, right? Yeah, Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. And Gatlinburg yeah. I went to school in both and mm-hmm. my, went to church in Gatlinburg and but it's hard. lived in Pigeon Forge. I have a lot of really young memories in Sevierville, too, because my dad was a judge, and he used to work at the courthouse. And when I was tiny and didn't want to go to preschool, he would let me go with him and sit under the bench. And the hole underneath of the bench used to be covered in my doodles because <laughs> I would sit under there and scratch and draw while he heard <laughs> cases and plea deals but yes so mostly I grew up in in Gatlinburg though and uh, what a special town that was yes well and it sure has grown a lot um, since we were kids you know that was our big thing to do all go up to the Space Needle oh yeah Rebel Corner (laughs) and look at all the kind of neon lights and such and go to the old smoky candy kitchen Mm -hmm. and I had no idea till I started kind of looking about stories about you that your grandparents started that old smoky candy kitchen oh you didn't okay yeah so that's neat yeah so their story's interesting they they kind of they were both from new jersey and came down kind of seeking seeking a, a i don't know that they intended to become wealthy they just intended to kind of make it like they were mm-hmm. they they had gone through the um i guess the great depression and their families were not you know thriving and mm-hmm. so they got together, married, and then just kind of traveled south and kept trying different businesses and living in different towns until they found something that worked. And my grandfather was actually, a he did some kind of janitorial service at the children's home in Sevierville. Um, yes. While, I don't know what my grandmother was doing at that time, but they ultimately opened Old Smoky Candy Kitchen in 1950 in Gatlinburg, right there on the main drag, which of course then was, I mean, I think it was a dirt road from the pictures. It was barely, definitely wasn't even chip and tar. It was like, (laughs) it was, it didn't look like anything like it looked like today. And it was a shack. It was a little shack and they, he, but my grandfather had gone down to Florida or maybe it was from New Jersey. I think that he had kind of 
had the saltwater taffy idea, but didn't he buy the machine, the taffy yeah, machine so. in Florida? And then, um, anyway, yeah, and started making taffy, and the rest is really history. Their story is just took off, and lots of hard work. You know, yes. it's you can't gloss over that. But mm-hmm. they made uh, just such a impression, I think, on on the community, the business community. I think we all have just this soft spot for the old smoky candy kitchen because the way you can look in the window and see the the taffy being rolled and it's all so clean and special looking in those copper pots and those marble tabletops. I just love the family connection there. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. And you just heard from Joe and Jesse Baker and a little story about how they grew up in Sevierville and how Jesse's grandparents started the Old Smoky Candy Kitchen in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It's a landmark in Gatlinburg. And today we are setting the table with candy. And as always, links to all of my guests and pictures and such, always at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Up next, we get to hear from the happily retired Mary Dee Constantine with a really neat segment about a woman she interviewed named Shirley McMurtry from Union County, Tennessee, and her process for dry canning black walnuts, as well as her recipe for black walnut candy. So might want to get those pencils out. <laughs> And now it's time for Mary D.D. Constantine. She's that Basset Hound-loving, grandbaby-chasing, happily retired former food writer for the Knoxville News Sentinel. In my years of interviewing people for the Knoxville News Sentinel, Shirley McMurtry is one of the most unique women I've ever featured. The Union County resident would spend each fall collecting, cracking, and canning walnuts. Her process was cyclical, with this year's harvest being removed from its green husk and then stored in a dry area in her basement until the following fall. That's when she would remove them from their shell and can them. She said the nuts always tasted better after curing in the shell for a year. Her basement was set up for the task of cracking with rubber gloves to protect her hands, a hammer, and a narrow-gauge railroad railing that she used as a base. Once the meats were removed from the nuts, she would take them upstairs to her kitchen and can them using a dry method of preservation. She explained it like this. Pour the nut meats onto a table and pick over them, removing any crumbs and bits of shell. Place approximately two cups at a time into a large colander. Shake well to remove any remaining bits of shell, but do not wash the nut meats, she would say. Wash and dry the pint jars and never ever use anything larger than pint as the heat from a larger jar could affect the flavor of the nut. Add the nut meats into the jar up to the shoulder. Do not shake to compact the nuts. 
Cover with a lid and tighten just until snug. Be careful not to over tighten. If the lid is too loose, it won't seal properly. If the lid is too tight, it won't seal properly. Place the jars on a rack in the center of the oven, leaving at least two inches between each jar. Turn the oven on to 250 degrees and bake for one hour. The jars and nuts will sterilize during baking. Remove from the oven and you'll find beads of moisture that have formed on the inside of the jar. Shirley said that's okay. The nuts will absorb the moisture as they cool. Turn the jars upside down, place them in a dark, draft-free place, and store until you're ready to use. Walnut candy is one of Shirley's family's favorite dishes, and she said she'd been known to make up to 75 pounds during the holiday season. She shared that recipe as well. It calls for six cups of granulated sugar, two cups of evaporated milk, one tablespoon light corn syrup, one-fourth teaspoon soda, one-half cup margarine, one teaspoon vanilla, and two cups of black walnuts coarsely chopped. To begin, place two cups of sugar in a heavy skillet and begin to caramelize. While the sugar is melting, add four cups of sugar, evaporated milk, and syrup in a saucepan and bring to a boil. Pour the caramelized sugar into the saucepan and stir constantly. Cook, stirring frequently, until the temperature is 245 degrees. That's a firm ball stage. Remove from heat and immediately add soda to the mixture and stir vigorously as it foams. Add margarine and stir only until melted. Then let the mixture cool for 20 minutes. After the mixture is cool, add vanilla and beat until thick and creamy. Add the chopped black walnuts and pour into a 9 by 13 inch pan. Store in an air container. Shirley said this yields approximately 4 pounds of candy. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. And up next, we'll get to hear from Fred Sossman with his Potluck Radio series. And today he's featuring Helms Candy in Bristol, Virginia. And Fred is Senior Writer and Associate Professor of Appalachian Studies at East Tennessee State University. And always, I've got links to all of this and my guests at TennesseeFarmTable.com. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Sausman. In 1909, Frank Helms Sr. started making pure sugar stick candy, and his family is still doing it in Bristol, Virginia. He came to Abingdon and started Abingdon Wholesale Grocery. Buzz Helms and his family run Helms Candy. Buzz is the great-grandson of Frank Helms Sr. And then he moved on down to Bristol and started Bristol Wholesale Grocery. From that, he saw a a need for candy and and some of his partners and him started the candy business. They eventually moved into just pure sugar stick candy. 
At one time, the twin cities of Bristol, Tennessee and Virginia were home to some 10 candy companies. The elevation was right for cooking the candy. You know, we weren't in the lowlands and, and we didn't have tremendous humidity and had cool weather in the good railroad facilities and had a good willing labor workforce here. As far as candies go, pure sugar stick candy is pretty simple to make. The only ingredients is sugar, cream of tartar, and flavor and color. Peppermint has always been the most popular flavor, but there are regional variations in taste. Down in Georgia, clove is like number two to peppermint. They like those bright flavors down there, the spicier flavors. And Kentucky, they like cream stick, which is a vanilla. Up in Kentucky and Tennessee and around, whorehound is still big. Whorehound is an, it's an herb and people use it to make cough syrup. For Potluck Radio in Bristol, Virginia, I'm Fred Saussman. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, and thank you for tuning in today. Up next, we've got two little stories. One is a Christmas story involving a raccoon for supper, and the other is a story about a hog's head. We're sitting here talking with Tammy Smith and Gary Smith in Savannah, Georgia. And Tammy, your maiden name was Markham, and weren't your Markhams from Kentucky originally? They sure were. They were from uh, southern Kentucky, uh, right about by now we're outside of Tennessee, and they were from Wayne County, Kentucky, around Monticello and Somerset. Yeah. And, um, but my daddy grew up there. His name was James Arthur Markham, and his dad was John Markham. And um, I was going to tell you this story about my my granddaddy, who was a mountain man. He had long hair and a long beard, and um, he he was a farmer, and he would grow so many things. Um, and at Christmas time, my daddy said he remembered, um, you know, his pap loading up a sack full of things that he had either preserved or. Um, sweet potatoes from the root cellar and he would put a big pack on his back and he would go around and distribute them to his his family and his neighbors and his friends um but he was he was quite he was quite a man and he had kind of a sharp wit and one day he was coming home with a a sack a burlap sack and somebody had killed a raccoon and this was during the depression so they ate whatever they could get and um, my daddy just talked about eating squirrels and possums and and raccoons. But anyway, Grandpa had the sack with the uh, the raccoon in it, and this man he saw said, "John, what do you have in that bag, or what do you have in that sack?" And Grandpa said, "Well, it's a raccoon." He said, "What are you going to do with that?" And Grandpa said, "Well, I'm going to take it home and and let my wife cook it for dinner." And he said, "You're going to eat that?" He said, "Ugh, I'd rather eat." And Grandpa said, well, I guess it just depends on what you're used to. That's a wonderful story. (laughs) (laughs) That was my daddy. He could tell a tale. I love it. The other one that I remember about um, him growing up was the story of the hog's head. And he told this one lots and lots of times. But his mother, they they had a hog killing and... 
um, they butchered a hog and he, they ate every part of it. They used all of it back then. And um, his mother had the hog's head on the table. And I guess it had been boiled. I don't really know how, how you go about preparing a hog's head. But anyway, she brought it on, put it on the table. Nobody ate any of it. The next day, she brought the hog's head. She put it back on the table. Nobody ate any of it. This went on for four or five days. And then finally, she brought that hog's head out and set it on the table. And my dad couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and he picked it up and threw it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but those are my my two stories about uh, my daddy's family and and cooking and eating. <laughs> Love it. Thank you for sharing those, Tammy. You're welcome. You're so welcome. And your mama is a uh, kin to um, old time fiddling royalty, Clyde Davenport. That's right. They're cousins. Well, he's well loved and and all the necks of all woods i believe yeah. for his old time fiddling yeah um, my mother was musical too not nearly to the degree of of clyde but she always played the banjo and and both my parents sang around the house i didn't realize that yeah yeah she was she was a banjo picker i love that yeah you know what kind of songs she'd sing around the house Oh, gosh, they would sing old Carter songs, and my daddy loved Hank Williams. And um... You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, and you've just heard a couple of really cute little stories about that raccoon for supper and a hog's head by way of my friend Tammy Smith, who lives in Savannah, Georgia. Tammy's maiden name is Markham, and these stories are from her daddy and granddaddy, who were Markhams from southern Kentucky, Wayne County, Kentucky. And Tammy's mother was the late Lula Davenport Markham, who was cousin to old-time fiddler and banjo player Clyde Davenport, who was also a legend around the state of Tennessee for his old-time fiddling. And Mr. Davenport was the recipient of the 1992 National Heritage Fellowship Award and that was awarded by the National Endowment for the Arts, which is the United States government's highest honor in the folk and traditional arts. And he died in February of 2020 at the age of 98. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song, for updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording. Connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.